Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one, The Sapient Logic Bomb, written by Doll Duck. I remember when the humans first met the United Council of Species. I'm more than 4,000 years old, and I've spent the last 1,250 of those serving as a council member for my species, the Yatri. About 800 years ago, the Benthian explorer bumped into one of their systems. Benthians endure long months of deep space FDL travel well and are still employed as explorers by the UCS today. But, anyways, we make first contact, and after some negotiations, they agree to send a delegation to the UCS in exchange for one of ours. It was a usual diplomatic mission with security and a collection of scientists to help make things a culture package. It really helps having an actual species there when distilling the entire history and technological process of a star-spanning culture into the format the Council can easily digest. It also helps us identify possible avenues of trade and mutual development, and it helps us identify threats to continued existence of the galactic civilization. So, they arrive here in core. The diplomats go to the council's complex, and the scientists go to the Selkirk labs. It used to be located 300 kilometers west of the council complex, on the outskirts of the capital. I was part of the team that met with the diplomats. The first ten days went well. There didn't seem to be anything that unusual about them, apart from the fact that they were bipedal and didn't have a tail, but they seemed to be reasonable species. They had expanded in a rough sphere around their homeworld. I think it was about 490 years in diameter in those days. They were a collection of different democracies gathered under a unifying body. Their navy was oversized, but not worryingly so. The initial reports of Sulkak Labs was very optimistic. The humans were clever. They had a rich history and a rapid progress. All good things... During lunch on the 11th day, we were informed that the Sulkic Labs had initiated a full quarantine, full lockdown, all lines cut, a full jamming of wireless signals. No access in or out. I don't really remember what happened until a couple hours later when the jamming suddenly died out and a single file was sent out. We tried calling them, but none of our calls were answered. Sulkic Labs went silent. The vial turned out to be a compressed sound clip. The contents, though, they were disturbing, to say the least. I'll even play for you now. Yeah, the humans are immune. Don't say it, don't say it. It, I, uh, it was one of them that set off the quarantine. Y you can't come in here. D don't say it. I'll infect you. The humans are immune, but th th they killed her. They killed all of them. It's, it's, oh, oh, no. Don't say it. I don't have long left. I, I, I think I'm the last. N -n no one else. Don't say it. I'm just six words. But if you hear them and read them, that's it. They killed each other. Do not come in here. Too dangerous. Don't say it. 
Runkel tore a hole in my thorax, but I got him. Minutes now left. Good, I know the words. No one should know the words. He was the last Gronkle. No, I'm the last. Don't say it. Don't come in here. I'll turn off the jamming and send this. Don't say it. Goodbye. We played for the humans, and they seemed very worried and understandably so. Some sort of event or infection of it to hit the psychic labs, and only information we had suggested that everyone inside was dead, and that the humans were immune to whatever it was. It did not look good for them when there were growing species. When the rhetoric started getting increasingly belligerent, the humans persuaded us to let the security detachment enter the labs, since they would reportedly be immune. It also left our ambassadors in our hands, so it was seen as a reasonable compromise. The security people were called marines, and we watched the peats from their helmets as they entered the psychic labs. It was appalling. The researchers and other employees at the labs had torn each other apart, using their natural weapons or whatever they could improvise that they turned the place into a slaughterhouse. Torn and the rendered bodies were everywhere, blood and viscera on the walls and ceilings, the colors of many different species making it a hellish rainbow. Many of them had obviously done this to themselves. We were all stunned. Sokic Labs was dead. The marines continued searching. They found the humans in pieces and had to resort to counting actual heads. They found three of them outside in the control room. It looked like they had been defending it, doing a good job until they were overwhelmed when you looked at the amount of bodies in the Sokic Labs' colors. Inside the control room was the FedEx administrator, who had sent the message, bled out from a ragged hole in his side. His left lower foreleg was ripped off, and he had punched through the ocular cavity and into the brain of a large, furry reman, who lay dead in the control room, flick, flick blood on its claws. Still, we had no indication of what had caused this, no explanation, other than everybody going homicidally insane. Then, uh, one of the marines panned over to the wall, and it was covered in writing. Luckily, not many species take time to learn each other's handwriting, which much easier to rely on audio translators. And this was the Urish. I remember looking expectantly at my Urish team member. He blinked rapidly and started to twitch. He started mumbling to himself, and I remember asking him what he was saying, when he suddenly screamed, No! He got up and started running. He then hurled himself forward and impaled himself on the jagged Iskarian sculpture that was in the room. All footage was erased. The rest is hazy. 800 years is a long time. We quarantined their species. We had to. It was appropriately just a simple question, six words long, in which their strange minds could somehow withstand. They gave birth to it after all, which drove all other sapient species irrevocably mad. Every human being was the potential weapon of mass destruction. To invite them to our worlds would be suicidal. So we quarantined them, and they agreed to it. It was sad, a vibrant species forever cut off from the rest of the galactic society. We maintain a single line of heavily filtered communication with them. They update us on their territories, and we update them on ours. Our relationship is not warm, but it exists. 387 years ago, we met you, Naponese, 
You have never let us doubt that your imperial aspirations, but we let you into the UCS so that you could have full access to our archives for well over 380 of those years. You knew that it was a human planet you invaded. Humans reported your actions to us and we imposed sanctions on you. Then you launched a massive invasion on human territory. We saw the atrocities you committed again through our channel to the humans. Now, Ambassador, to the reason why I called you, we received this from the humans ten minutes ago, and I suspect it explains why you have been unable to contact your government. It reads, At 0300 UTC, human-style ships successfully shut down all communication buoys leading to the Nipponese space and deployed the sapient logic bomb. No leaks detected from the Nipponese space. We will continue containment procedures for the time being. We'll keep you advised. Two weeks later, one of the last Nipponese alive finally succumbed to his madness. He drew his last breath in front of a wall that circled his home. His hands were ruined in mess of blood and flesh. The price of a frantic message scrawled on his wall. Thousands of times, it's the same question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Two kilometers away, the first human settlers landed. End of story. Story number two, Do It For Mom, written by underscore underscore dash underscore 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 dash 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 underscore. Humanity was excited when the first contact was had, but that wasn't unique. Every species in the cosmos had to offer and thrilled at the excited when they first met their first neighbor, even if it had become mundane for the interstellar community at large. Some of the older species had become bored to death with the entire concept of first contact, willing to exchange pleasantries but generally disinterested in the true cultural exchange. But bluntly, the rest of the cosmos had already had more than they could read in their libraries. They took volumes of humanity offered out of kindness, but they weren't going to read them. That added to humanity's quirkiness. At least, that's how kind individuals put it. Other has no problem labeling humanity as freaks and weirdos. What else could you call an energetic beings that were too tall to be normal, were comfortable with dangerous radiation exposure, and had a thing for celestial bodies and with total axial tilts and everything that entailed? Add to that mixture the inability to let natural order work its course, and the talent for intervention and strange stories started to spread. Strange stories about... Mom and how humans were unwilling to do things that would make her mad, sad, and, uh, most of all, disappointed. The first responders in any species, regardless of the technological prowess, would be often were human. Their leadership provided the standard reasons. Goodwill, peace among sapiens, every reason any political party would give for intervening. If it made the same question were posed to the personal engagement response, they'd all have said similar highly abnormal statement that they did it for mom. Mom would have been disappointed if they didn't do it. It's what mom would have wanted. This trend of held true for any other of humanity's made, offered atmospheric cleansing technologies at cost or complementary. Mom, knocking on an asteroid or a comet out of the way for a non-spacefaring civilization cradle world. Mom would have been pissed if they didn't. Intervening in ethnic cleansing or a species civil conflict, Mom taught them better than that. Human leaders and politicians always evaded answering any direct questions, a tactic that caused the rest of the cosmos to question their sincerity. 
to think that they would be embarrassed about being mammalian after all, or some combination of the two. Speculation could run wild, especially around humanity's biology. Were they actually a hive species? Were they a weird fluke of mammalian species with an immortal mother that birthed them all? Despite the readily provided information of humanity, speculation still ran rampant. Gossip and conspiracy was more fun, even amongst alien species. Weird bits of art circulated amongst all the wild speculation. Art of a human female with a particular hair and a constantly wounded state, most including a missing eye with a crude, simple patch covering it, which some species decided to try catalog this mystery mother by analyzing all known photos of the human females. They'd find mom, but they didn't. What's more was the graffiti that tended to show up wherever humans were assisting or deployed, all stylized representation of the same figure, and each instance was accompanied by an encouraging text and speech bubble. Sometimes it said, do it for me. Other times, far more circumstance-specific. Military deployments tended to have many more risque and violent depictions, while humanitarian deployments had depictions that could bring poets to tears. Humanity was unique in that manner. Until humanity wasn't. It started in those who frequently interacted with or deployed alongside humans. They started making similar statements about not wanting to let mom or sometimes dad down. Other depictions started circulating, with humanity's unknown mother suddenly standing with the taller and more massive human females and males with different hair, clothing colors, and in a far better physical shape. Then, humanity's mother suddenly appeared in different species, left as graffiti by said different species in a conflict zone shared with humanity. Each incarnation of mom and dad always had a positive, encouraging thing to say. The spreading phenomenon finally caught the interest of the cosmic scholars, scholars who had finally dug into the volumes of books humanity had provided and was always willing to provide. A collective onomatopoeic, ah. The cosmos issued with those scholars published their findings was palpable. Humanity's mysterious mom was the cradle planet. Compared to many other species, humanity's home was an intense and volatile place. Despite that, humanity came to anthropomorphize their home. It wasn't something to be conquered, but a sickly thing to be taken care of and protected. At least, that was their early art and graffiti portrayed. When humanity made contact with the interstellar community, the collective view of mom changed. She wasn't a cute, wounded thing to be pampered and pitied. She was a mean witch who had experienced more than her fair share of problems, had come close to death several times, and still sported those scars and bruises. Despite that and the near matricide that she had experienced at the hands of humanity, her and her weird, wayward children had learned true compassion and humanity. Their cradle planet, their earth, was a cultural embodiment of everything that they had endured and what they had become in spite of hardship. That was why Mom was so caring and altruistic. That was why no human was willing to let Mom down. End of story number two. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. 
And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.